Happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. He has risen. He is risen indeed. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege we have to worship a risen Savior. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are honored that you're here. We want you to feel uh, so welcomed, so at home. We want you to feel the presence of the Lord in this place, and we want you to, to hear the message that, that, that excites those of us who come to church week in and week out, why we feel this is such a special time for us. You see, we have fallen deeply in love with this one that is called Jesus Christ, the one that we celebrate this particular Sunday morning who has risen from the dead so that we, we might have life. I want to try to explain that to you this morning the best we know how. It's the greatest privilege in the world to think it through that this one called Jesus Christ would give of himself so that we would have this freedom that we have here on this earth. Being set free from our sins. And so we wish you a very, very happy Easter and we thank you for coming our way this morning. We thank you for taking of your time to worship Jesus Christ with us. As we proclaim, He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know what's so interesting about this statement, He is risen, He is risen indeed? What's so interesting about this morning, about this day called Easter Sunday, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, without His being raised from the dead, then sadly, you and I, we would be wasting our time you see, if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, then all of us would be without hope. Every single one of us would be worthy to be pitied. Paul says as much. If, if you have a Bible, I would like for you to follow along with me. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you do not have a Bible, there, there are Bibles in the front, in the seat in front of you. As a matter of fact, when we came to our Good Friday service this past Friday with Pastor Bill just preached, a, preached an amazing message on Good Friday. We had the privilege, Kay and I, to, to babysit our grandchildren. Our, our son's birthday was this, this week, and so he and his wife wanted to kind of just celebrate alone. So we, we take the kids. And we were in the service, and we were sitting in, in that general vicinity, and, and, and when, when Pastor Bill asked us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, I believe it was. Uh, actually, it might have been chapter 2, but it was one of the two. And, 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 and I was sitting there, and a few minutes later, my wife, we had the kids between us, just kind of keep control. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my wife tapped me on the shoulder, and she pointed down and said, look, and our five-year-old grandson had found 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and was looking at it, and it it was as good a Good Friday as I've ever had. It brought a, it just kind of choked me up to think, oh my goodness, what a blessing. During Bill's, Pastor Bill's message, he, was, he proclaimed how he came to know the Lord very young in his age. And, and he pleaded with us, those of us who were in the service, and especially to those who, who had not yet made a decision to follow Jesus Christ or not, and were still investigating, he, he pleaded with those who had not to be like him. In that way, he was saying to 
come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ at an early age. And, and my wife and I, as proud grandparents, realize that both of our grandchildren, in fact, all four of our grandchildren, have, have come to a trust in Jesus Christ. And we just marvel at that wonderful truth. Well, see, Paul said as much about this, this one that we celebrate this Easter morning. By the way, I, Jeannie, if you're here, she was in the, the kitchen and she said, you know, I, I, I had so much trouble today when everybody was coming in and I was wishing a lot of people Merry Christmas. And she put, she put that notion in my mind. <laughs> so if I say anything about Christmas, I want you to blame Jeannie. <laughs> Paul said as much about this Easter morning. I want you to listen to me. If, if you don't have a Bible, it's so much fun. Just listen, listen to the words that he writes concerning this particular moment. He says now, in verse 1, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you receive, in which also you stand. May I add something? That gospel that Paul preached, we today have the privilege of preaching the same gospel. It has not changed over the years. It, it never will change. It is the same yesterday as it is today, as it will be tomorrow. He goes on to say, by which you are also saved, this gospel that was preached. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, I delivered to you as a First importance, what I received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's Easter morning. And then it says in verse 5, He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. And then to the twelve, that's the apostles. And then He said He... He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. And Pastor Bill beautifully taught on that on, on Good Friday, how, how Jesus Christ appeared to more than 500 people so as to verify the very truth that He had risen from the dead. Then it says, most of whom who remain till now. In other words, they're still alive. They, still can, they can still verify the truth. They saw Him alive. He says, some others, though, have fallen asleep or died. Then he says he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And then last of all, Paul writes, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. He says, I am the least of the apostles. He says, I'm not really even fit to be called an apostle because, he says, I persecuted the church of God. And boy, did he. He had those who proclaimed to be Christians thrown in jail and and, and put to death, he persecuted the church. But he says, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And every single one of us who have ever trusted in Christ as our Lord and Savior can make that a wonderful statement of ours. By the grace of God, we are who we are. His grace towards us did not prove vain Paul says, I, labor, I labored even more than all of them, yet not myself, he said, but the grace of God with me. 
Then in verse 11 he says, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now listen, starting with verse 12. He says, but now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, Paul writes, not even Christ has been raised. And then he says in verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. Moreover, he says in verse 15, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. In other words, we've called God a liar. In verse 16, Paul writes, for if the dead are not raised, then not even Jesus Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But then he writes in verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the essence of of Easter Sunday. That's, that's the reason for Good Friday where Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross that He, he shed His blood for, for our sins and He died upon the cross. They buried Him and three days later He rose from the dead so as to give life to every single person on the face of this earth if we would just believe in Him. Paul said very correctly, If Christ has not been raised, folks, then our preaching is vain. In other words, church is irrelevant. It's of no value to you nor me. And also our faith then is in in vain. It's no value to us. We're still in our sins. And we are, those of us who go to church on a regular basis, we are most to be pitied. Because we believe in a a lie. You see, the Bible is clear, very clear about one thing, and it is this. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what gives a person eternal life. It is the blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross. His blood is given for the forgiveness of your and my sin. He took our place. And gives us eternal life. Some might call being born again. You see, we're not saved by the teachings of Jesus Christ. As great a teacher as He was, there was none greater. In fact, Scripture tells us, Never has a man spoke as he speaks. But His teaching could not do what His death did. It could not by itself cleanse our souls, making us fit for heaven. couldn't. Nor are we saved by His life either. Even though He raised people from the dead. Even though He healed blind people. He he gave people limbs. He healed people who were lame. 
He cured every disease possible. He controlled nature itself. One time on a, on a ship, he, he simply said to the ocean and the winds, hush, be still, and it, it calmed the down immediately. Just with his voice and his authority, he controlled nature. But it wasn't necessarily his teaching. It wasn't necessarily his life. It wasn't even his miracles that gives you and me salvation and hope. It is the death and the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ, that saves us. That's why we are so ecstatic, those of us who are believers on Easter. It is the very essence of what we trust and believe in. He is risen. He is risen indeed, which gives us life. Gives us the forgiveness of our sin. What makes a difference in your life and mine is that Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead so that you and you and I, we might have eternal life with him forever, living in heaven with our Savior. Now, that is either a pipe dream or it is truth, truth from the Word of God. Now, there's a place that I would love for you to turn if you have a Bible. If not, listen, please. It's Luke chapter 24. It is one of those places that if I could have been, I would have loved to have been there. Now, I've said over again, people that come here regularly know that I have like, I make statements like this that are uh, uh, kind of overwhelming a lot. You know, I, I say, oh, I wished I was there. No, 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 I wished I was there. Oh, I wish I was there. The truth of the matter is I do. I wished I could have been at a lot of different places, but this was truly one. It was right after the death and, of Jesus Christ the disciples dispersed. They had lost hope because they saw him nailed to a cross and they saw him die. And two men were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was about a seven-mile walk. And on that walk, Jesus Christ, in his resurrected body, walks alongside of them. It is one of the most amazing of stories. Let's, let's let it unfold and see why we get so excited about Easter. In chapter 24 of the book of Luke, it says, On the first day of the week, early in the dawn, they came to the tomb. They were the women. They, the women were bringing some spices which they had prepared, and they were going to anoint his body. And when they got there, they saw in verse 2 that a stone, the stone which was the door of the tomb, was rolled away. And they entered, and they did not find the body of Jesus Christ. In verse 4, we are told that it happened that while they were perplexed about this, wondering what took place, behold, two men, two angels, suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground, when they saw these two angels, the angels said to them, Why do you seek the living one from among the dead? Why are you here in the cemetery? He is not here. Don't you remember? He told you that in three days he was going to raise from the dead. Why are you here looking for the living one where there are dead people? They say in verse 6, He's not here. He has risen. Remember how He spoke to you while He was in Galilee? He said that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man. He must be crucified. And on the third day He would rise again. And it said in verse 8, they remembered that He told them this. 
And so they returned from the tomb. They reported these things to the eleven. That was the apostles and all the rest, the disciples who were there. It says in verse 10, who was there? And it says in verse 11, these, weir- these words that they said to, to, to the apostles seemed to the apostles as nonsense. They would not believe these ladies and their report that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And so we are told in verse 12, Peter arose. He ran to the tomb. He wanted to see for himself. He stooped and he looked in and he saw the linen wrappings only. The linen wrappings that they wrapped the dead body of Jesus Christ in. They were laying there and he went away to his home marveling at what had just happened. As we just read, even they did not expect to see Jesus Christ alive again. But they were hoping though. Oh, they were hoping, but they lost their hope. They thought what the women were saying, that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, they thought that to be nonsense. They, they wouldn't believe them because they lost their hope. They saw him die. Who can blame them, really? And with his death, they saw their hopes and they saw their dreams die as well. Perhaps you too. Perhaps some of you here have hopes and dreams that have died too somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way you have lost hope. Somewhere along the way someone perhaps that you trusted broke their promise to you as well. I make this vow to you by the authority of the Word of God that that Jesus Christ wishes to heal any of those lost hopes that you and I have. And when they got to the tomb, they saw that it was empty. And the most penetrating words, the angels said to them, Why are you seeking the living one from among the dead? He is risen. He is risen indeed. And so they remembered these things. Peter saw the evidence when he stooped in and he saw, but he went away marveling, marveling. What is, what is this I've just seen? What has just happened here? Do you know what's so special about you being here today? That is, if, if you came on your own, you weren't knocked unconscious and dragged here. If some of you came of your own will, what, what is so amazing about this is that you too are willing to look at what is said concerning Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. You are at least willing to listen. Well, hold on to your hats. Because the rest of this chapter, chapter 24 of the book of Luke, is to me words that are beyond its description. As I said to you, Jesus Christ comes upon these two men that are walking away from this scene where they just saw Jesus Christ go to the cross, die, and was buried. They are now walking away. They are going to a village called Emmaus. Read with me what happens. Listen. Verse 13. Two of them, on that very day, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I told you that. They were talking. They were conversing with each other about all the things that had just taken place. It came about that while they were 
conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached them and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They're talking about these events. It's, it says in verse 17, they stood still looking sad. You see, they had lost hope. And something very comforting takes place in verses 15, 16, and 17. And, and you might miss it, but let's not. It is Jesus Christ who comes to them. They didn't have to reach out to Him. He came to them. No fanfare. He just comes and walks alongside of them. Don't miss this point. They didn't realize that it was Jesus Christ. Listen, so many times in your life and in mine, Jesus Christ comes to walk alongside of us, but we simply don't recognize that He's there. Oh, don't get me wrong. It might not be Him, of course. But He might come and walk alongside of you in the form of a friend. A loved one, perhaps an accident that took place, or a so-called lucky incident, or you've sat beside a, a loved one on a deathbed experience, or perhaps it was just a moment that makes you ponder, what was that that just happened to me? All of this could be a a touch of the Master's hand upon your life. And so in verse 17, Jesus Christ, who now is walking alongside of them, asks them a question in verse 17. He says, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another? They stood there looking sad. Sad because they had lost hope. And one of them answered Jesus Christ and said to him in verse 18, are you the only one? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that would have just happened here these days? You see, the death of Jesus Christ was widely known. Everyone heard of it. If they didn't see it, they at least heard that this one who claimed to be the Messiah was nailed to a cross, was crucified, was beaten beyond recognition, and died. Are you the only one? that's unaware of what just took place. And then Jesus says, forgive me for laughing, but I love his sense of humor. I see it as a sense of humor. He says, what things? I mean, come on. It's like he's fishing. You know, he's, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a prophet. He was mighty indeed. He was mighty in word. He was mighty in the sight of God. He was mighty in the sight of all of us. But the chief priests, in verse 20, our rulers delivered him to a sentence of death. They crucified him. But we were hoping, they said. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, they say, besides all of this, it's been three days since these things have happened. You see, they too were hoping. But they lost their hope hoping it was He who was going to redeem them, hoping it was He that was going to save them from their sin, hoping it was He that was going to give them life. Hoping it was He that was to be the very one that they had longed for, the Messiah. But they lost their hope. 
Listen, the same thing can be true of you as well. Some of you here have just lost hope. And maybe you've come to church this Easter Sunday for the final time. Okay, I'll go. Okay, I'll go with you. But this is it. And I want to plead with you that Jesus Christ wants to give you hope for the second time, for the third time, for the fifth time, the tenth time, the hundredth time, the thousandth time. He wants to give you hope that only He can bring into your life. Then in verses 25 to 27, Jesus Christ tells them all about Himself from the Scriptures. He preaches who He is from the Old Testament, that He was to live, that He was to die, and that He would rise again from the dead, and that He would give all who believed in Him everlasting life. That He would give them redemption for their souls, and for your soul, and your soul, and your soul, and my soul as well. When he was through talking, look at verse 28. He approached the village and he acted as if he wasn't going to go in the village with them, that he was going to go further. And they urged him in verse 29, saying, stay with us, stay with us. You know why they wanted, to stay with, wanted him to stay there? Verse 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us? while He was speaking to us on the road, while He was explaining the Scriptures to us. Jesus acted as if He would go further. Listen, listen and hear this clearly, please. Jesus Christ never, ever presses Himself upon any one of us. Not them, not you, not me. He always waits for you and me to ask Him to stay. That's what Pastor Bill was preaching about on Good Friday that changed his life as a young boy, that he asked Jesus Christ into his life. And for all this time, from his youth until his now adulthood, he has walked with Christ and he said, I wish for you the same thing that I have. This faith and trust and love for Jesus Christ. But you see, He too will pass you by if you allow Him to do so. If He's not invited in, He will go His way. And so we beg of you. We beg of you as a church. I beg of you as a, as a pastor. No, I, I want to beg of you as a friend. I, I much prefer being seen as a friend than a pastor. I beg of you. If, like them, your heart is burning within you with the wonderful message of Jesus Christ, why we are so enthusiastic and excited about Easter, then I beg of you, ask Him to stay with you. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Ask Him to make you into the person that He desires for you to be. Ask Him to take away those lost dreams and lost hopes. It says that their eyes were opened, these two travelers on the way to Emmaus, and they recognized finally that it was Him. And then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning while He was speaking to us on the road? The rest of this story in Luke, you can read for yourself if you like. He 
He appears to all the disciples and He says to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Have hope. He says, Look, it's me. Touch me. See the wounds in my hands. See the wounds in my feet. See the wounds in my side. Touch me and see. And then he says, Is there anything to eat? (laughs) It's so great. I'm a little hungry here. You got some food? It's just amazing, our Savior. It's just amazing, our Savior. Look, just as it was with those two travelers, He'll come and walk with you. He will stay with you on your road to hope. We pray that your heart will burn within you, burn for the love of Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday morning as well as every morning that you draw breath. As a church, I want to say the privilege that I love you, we love you. We ask you to consider who this one is called Jesus Christ. We ask you to to invite Him in. I know it sounds... Thanks, Todd. I know it sounds overwhelming. I, I mean... It it did to me, and I didn't come to know and believe in Jesus Christ until I was a little bit older, in my middle 30s. And I had always wrestled with the whole thing. You mean to say all I have to do is ask Him to come into my heart and He'll free me and forgive me of all my sins? I thought that was a pipe dream. And I'm here to say to you that is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't make you perfect, but He gives you perfect salvation if you ask Him into your heart, if you ask Him to forgive you of your sin, He will and give you everlasting life. And that is why we get excited on Easter Sunday. Let me tell you why. It's because you come. You might not come next week. You might not come the week after. And we've got this one chance to tell you about our Savior and to give you an opportunity to trust and believe in Him. You see, for those of us who attend church here, every single day is Easter. We live and love a risen Savior seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We'd love for you to have Him.